What a happy morning. That is one happy little girl. That was so fun. I was thinking about maybe preaching a message just holding her. That would be so great. <laughs> you know, you forget how fun they are to hold. So, hey, volunteer for the nursery. <laughs> well, welcome to Grace Chapel again. Happy Mother's Day to you. I'm so excited that you're all here. Uh, we have a special Mother's Day celebration in the back. On your way out, we're going to have kids handing out cards to anyone and everyone who wants to celebrate Mother's Day with us. These are handmade cards, and they're extra special because our GC kids made them, and they are very colorful. So <laughs> enjoy those cards on your way out as a way for us to say Happy Mother's Day. And I hope no matter where you are in your life, whether you're a mother or you're not a mother, that today is a wonderful day for you. I hope that it's encouraging and refreshing and specifically peaceful. That would be nice, right, for mothers. So welcome. Um, we have been going through this uh, series called Give, and Give is all about us giving to the Lord, sacrificing for the Lord, giving generously to the Lord, uh, and, and, in, and in the process of that, we are transformed. Now, you might say, well, what's transformed? Well, transformed or being transformed is what our vision statement is here at Grace Chapel. Uh, lives transformed by or through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the point. That's what we work towards. We try to create an environments and events that help us be more and more transformed. We want new people to come in that have never met Jesus before and to be introduced to him and then to be continually transformed throughout their life. So you'll hear me talk a lot about transformation. Um, the elders spend a lot of time praying about transformation. The deacons spend a lot of time working towards transformation. Transformation is kind of the point around here. And it's important that we understand that. Because if you don't know that, you just think I'm going to be a broken record talking about transformation over and over. But there's a reason. There's a reason for that. As we talk about this series of giving or give, it's about giving so that we are transformed uh, through the gospel of Jesus. And it's been an exciting series so far, uh, and I'm excited to, to talk a little bit more about it. Transformation looks different for each person. Transformation looks different for each church that is currently being transformed. And it's important that we kind of have our eyes wide open when it comes to wondering or noticing transformation. Transformation looks like making mistakes, admitting those mistakes, and then allowing God to teach us through those mistakes. Transformation looks like an ever-growing process of humility, of constantly saying, you know what, I can't, but God can, and I'm going to trust him to do that. Transformation looks like life throwing difficult things at us and us responding with, I don't know, but I know who does. Transformation is a continual deeping of understanding and love for Jesus. So if you ever wonder, what does transformation look like? Think about those things. But it's hard to nail down because it's different for each person. So I wish I could hand you a formula and say, do this and this is what's going to happen. But it's up to the spirit. And that's the beauty of it. So as we talk about giving, this is the goal, is transformed. And the question is, is how am I transformed? How are you transformed? How are we transformed? Are we doing the right things to allow God to transform us? You know, Jesus knew that we would wonder about this. He knew that we would wonder, what does transformation look like? You know, he stands tall and says, trust me. And we trust him. And then he says, don't worry. I'm going to help in the process. I think a lot of people think that Christianity or faith in Jesus is about trusting him for the first time and then just kind of living your life. 
but it's not. It's a continual process of deepening and deepening understanding of who Jesus is and how he wants us to live in this world. So whether you've been a Christian for 30 seconds, whether you're not even a Christian yet, or whether you've been a Christian for for 30 years or even more, transformation continues to happen if you allow it to, and that's key. What happens, I think, sometimes is when we get to a certain point, we, we, we know pretty much uh, about the Bible, we know about Jesus, we've put our trust in him, and, and we know all these things, and we believe all these things, and everything is okay. If you're like me, at sometimes I plateau, and the transformation kind of stops. It doesn't continue. And I kind of stick my head in the sand, and I get so focused on survival, or I get so focused on, on one or two things that I'm working on that I forget that God wants me continually transformed. And I think even as churches, we can do this. We can get used to the status quo, no matter really what the status quo is. And that transformation, if we, if we don't pay attention, can halt and can stop. And so that's what this series is about to say, hey, Let's do these things. Let's think about it this way. Let's act this way in order for the Spirit to continually transform us more and more as a church. And that's why I always want to talk about transformation. It's a beautiful thing. So this morning, I want to say no to plateauing. I want to say no to sticking our head in the sand and saying, no, we've always done it. This is the way my faith is. This is, I don't have anything more to learn. I don't have anything more to grow. I want to take a step into humility and I want to say, Lord, teach us. We as a body want to be transformed more. You've given us a rich history of transformation. Let that continue into the future. So what do we have, what do we have to learn? Where do we grow? Jesus walks with us, and this is what's so cool and, 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 and really profound about our Lord Jesus, is 2,000 years ago, when he walked the earth, he knew we, Grace Chapel, would wonder about transformation. And he's so intentional about the stories he told, the way he taught, and even his disciples that specifically wrote these things down as eyewitnesses, that we have stories in our scripture that can reflect what transformation looks like and how Grace Chapel and and year 2019 can do in order to continually be more and more transformed. It's a beautiful thing. And so, in fact, somebody actually asked Jesus in, in the Gospels, what does it look like to be transformed? He said it a little differently. He said, what does it look like to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, but I'm getting ahead of myself I think Jesus should tell the story. So let's turn to the scripture and see what Jesus has to say. This morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in 25, and we're going to go all the way to 37. You can turn there if you brought your Bible. If you brought a phone with a phone app, fire that bad boy up and take a look. If you don't have either one of those things, it's okay. We'll put the the words on the screen behind us. So this is how the story begins. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or what must I do to be transformed? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. 
but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? There's a couple things that I'd just like to stop right here and talk about. This might seem foreign to us, but it was very, very common back then for someone to ask a rabbi a question, and that rabbi to return that question with another question, and then have a dialogue about the answer. It's a very, very simple and effective way of teaching. So we might read this in our, in our 21st century minds and look and go, wow, this, this guy's being really disrespectful. He's like trying to catch Jesus. And he may have been, but it's very common. So there's nothing out of the ordinary so far in the story. The story's going along like many interactions many rabbis had with people. And this expert in the law knows a couple things. He knows all about Hebrew law because he's an expert. And so he talks about loving the Lord God with your, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and he combined those two things. So Jesus asked, what do you have to do? What do you have to do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, you have to do these two things. And Jesus' response is interesting. He just says, yeah, that's it. Do it and you're good to go. But there's more. There's more there. And the expert in the law knows it. See, the expert in the law does something that I think we do a lot. We want to know how much. Jesus' disciples on a later time said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother who sinned against me? And Jesus goes through this huge, long explanation. And the result is, you just have to forgive him. <laughs> the expert in the law is saying, how much, Jesus? How much, Rabbi? I think I've loved the Lord with everything I have, which is a foolish thing to think. And two, I think I've loved my neighbor, but I want to know what you think your neighbor is or who is my neighbor just to make sure that I've got this covered. So the expert in the law is saying, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is going to flip the story and he's going to describe someone who's already inherited eternal life. It's a, it's a profound flipping. And Jesus does this. He turns things on their head. You think you understand his motivation, or you think you understand what he says, and he flips it, and the motivation's backwards. So, this is what Jesus says. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. At this point in the story, everybody's riveted. And everybody, especially probably the expert, has an idea of where Jesus is going. Okay, we have a guy in dire need. And a priest, the one who's supposed to be helping people, passes by. Oh, I wonder why Jesus did that. A Levite, someone else who is supposed to be helping, passes by on the other side. And everybody's mind is going, okay, so Jesus's point is if you're a good, obedient, uh, faithful Jew, and you see someone in need, you're supposed to help them. So my neighbor is someone like me. My neighbor is someone like me who's a Jew. I'm a Jew. My neighbor's a Jew. I help Jews. It's, it's, a, it's a nationalistic uh, uh, attempt to be neighborly. Neighborly to the people that are just like me. Everybody rewrote, or pre-wrote the story. Okay, we got it. Jesus had another plan. And this is where it gets really fascinating. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, 
<gasps> All the air goes out of the room. What? A Samaritan. As he traveled, came to where the man was. And they're probably thinking, and then he like kicked him and walked on. What did he do? He came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And the room is shocked. The jaws drop to the floor. Jesus continues, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36, Jesus looks at the expert and says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? You could tell the expert of the law, probably looking at his shoes, replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The story of the Good Samaritan, an infamous, a famous story. Give it all away. Sacrifice everything for those that are in need. I think a lot of people turn this story on its head from what Jesus meant it to be, and it's all about the rules. Well, you just have to do all these things, and if you do all these things, then you inherit eternal life. You get to go to heaven if you do all these things. So very quickly, we start making lists. Okay, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, and it's a series of rules. And if I just complete all these rules, then apparently I get to go to heaven or, or inherit eternal life. But Jesus is flipping it on its head, and he's saying it's not about the rules. It's about what's being transformed inside. Because if it was about the rules, there would be a number. <laughs> there would be a list. There would be something very specific that you have to do in order to inherit. But instead, it's this guy who does everything. How could you do everything? You can't do everything. Jesus is saying, yes, you can if I'm transforming you from the inside out because it's who you are. That's what transformation looks like. So what did the, what did the Samaritan risk in the story? If you know anything about that time period, to go from Jerusalem down to Jericho was a very dangerous road. In fact, so dangerous that rarely people traveled by themselves. And wealthy people typically traveled with an armed guard to protect them. It was probably not uncommon to be robbed or pillaged during this journey. So the Samaritan risked his own life by stopping on the road to care for this man. Maybe the robbers hadn't gone too far. Maybe they, they saw this man now with a donkey. They would steal that too. He's risking. He takes oil and wine and he pours it and he, and, he, and he bandages the wounds of the hurting man. I doubt the Samaritan was carrying with a handy first aid kit. So he probably used his own clothes for that. Ripping a sleeve off or a hem of his garment in order to bandage the wounds. As you may know, oil and wine are very expensive then. He's spending already, he's spending, and he's risking. And then he goes further, and he puts the person on his donkey. And he sacrifices his donkey all the way to the inn. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just dump him off and say, good luck. He gets a room, and he cares for him. 
He's doubling down each time. And then, just to drive his point home, Jesus says, and then when he was leaving, he gave the innkeeper some extra money to take care of him. And if you need anything more, I'll be back. I'll give it to you. Whatever it takes, this man needs to get better. It's not a set of rules. It's not a list of things to do. Now, we can't transform ourselves by the actions that we take. This happens from the inside out. And it happens when we give. It happens when we give courageously, intentionally. And this man risked a lot in order for this to happen. Now, I'm reminded of a story that I heard of Thomas Jefferson, our, one of our presidents. And Thomas Jefferson and his cabinet, or his, his, uh, his team, his office staff, were traveling with him. And back in those days, you have to travel by horse. And they came to a river that they were supposed to ford. Well, the river was swollen because of the rain, and they weren't able to take the boat across. So they decided that they had to ford the river on their own with their horses. It's a very dangerous thing to do. There's a group of people there, and there's one man that hasn't been able to cross because he doesn't have a horse, and he can't get across because the, the barge won't go, or the, 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 the boat can't go across because of the swollen river. And one by one, Jefferson's team takes their horses across the river. And they ride their horses across the river. Horses swim across the river, and it's very dangerous. So he waits till Jefferson comes up. And he asked Thomas Jefferson, can I have a ride? Can I ride with you on your horse across the river? And the story, or the legend has it that Je Jefferson immediately said, yes, hop on, let's go. So he gets on with Jefferson, he rides across the river. And they make it across, and as they're getting off the horse on the other side, one of the team members of the cabinet says to the man, why did you pick the president <laughs> to ask this favor of? And the man, shocked and a little embarrassed, said, I, I actually didn't know. I didn't know he was the president. This is the thing that I knew. I looked at every person's face, and I picked the face that said yes. Jefferson's face said yes, so I asked him. And sure enough, Jefferson said yes. It's an interesting story when you're, when you're thinking about the, the Good Samaritan. You can imagine the faces of the priest and the Levite as they pass on the other side. There's no secret that there's a need. It's an obvious need that this man has. There's no way they didn't see him. What's the need? The need is to help. And they probably had a face that said, I'm too busy. Or I, I can't risk that much. Or I just don't have time because I've got this other thing. Or I have to take care of me before I take care of others, right? They had no faces. They had I'm too busy faces. They had somebody else to take care of that faces. So the question is this morning, what kind of face do we have? What kind of face do we have? Because transformation takes courage. It takes intentional courage to give in a way that allows us to be transformed. So this is the main idea this morning. And I don't want you to miss this. The main idea is follow Jesus' example of intentional courage and say yes. This isn't a list of rules. This isn't a list of challenges that we have to live up to. 
We just have to follow Jesus' example, muster courage, and say, yes. So the question again is, what kind of face do we have? What kind of face do you have? Do you have a yes face? Do you have a no face? Or do you have I'm, I'm too busy face? Because for me, this is challenging. If you know me at all, you know the kind of schedule I try to keep. Just ask Carol in the office. I'm running. I'm constantly going, 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 going. And I have a propensity to have a I'm too busy face. That's why it's challenging to me. So you might ask yourself, well, well how, do I, how do I have a yes face? How do I go from being the priest in the story to being the Good Samaritan? How do we transform into this person that gives and gives and gives and gives? That's a difficult thing to answer. And the reason it's difficult is because every person is different, and we all come up with great excuses, right? Great excuses, really valid, valuable excuses. So in a way, we can't control it. So the challenge this morning is you have to ask Christ to lead you. And that's why that's the main point. You have to be led by Jesus. And you have to use intentional courage to step out and do the, the abnormal thing. You need to have a yes face. And it starts there. And Jesus leads us down this path of transformation. And according to Jesus, we'll look a lot like the Good Samaritan. Not because we have a list of rules, not because we have some magical formula, not because we've um, got a seminary degree or have studied the scripture a certain amount. It's because we are transformed from the inside out by Jesus, our King himself. So what kind of face do you have this morning? Last week we talked about being generous in community. And one of, the, one of the hallmark things about last week was we don't want to give out of compulsion or guilt. We want to we set a thing to give between God and us, and we need to carry that out. And I handed out these little sheets, and many of you, actually a shocking number of you, filled these out. This is just a, an example of the things that you can give to. Give your time, give your energy, give your emotional investment. That's, a, that's an expensive one. Give your finances. But I'm here to tell you guys, it takes courage. It takes intentional courage to step out and to give what you have to someone that needs it. And when you do that, you are obeying what Jesus has asked us to do. And in that obedience is where the transformation comes. And it's not because we do something, it's because we've allowed our heart to be transformed by the king himself. And he moves in us. So I would ask you to ask Jesus to guide you. Don't fill this out today. Take it home with you. Put it in your visor in your car. And every time you see this yellow thing, ask Jesus, what do I give? What am I supposed to do? How do I become more transformed? Just, just you and him. Nobody has to know. And let the yellow sheet remind you to ask him. Ask Jesus to give you a yes face. The interesting thing is that I think when we plateau, like we talked about in the beginning, when we, our transformation kind of comes to a halt because we're focused on other things, 
We miss opportunities. And I think it's a staggering number of opportunities. But when we say, Jesus, give me a yes face. Show me the opportunities around me. You'll start seeing them pop up. And you'll see that man laying on the side of the road. And something inside of you is going to scream, give it to him. Give him time. Give him prayer. Give him the two bucks that are in your wallet, whatever it takes. And you'll feel that transformation from the inside out. So take these cards home with you and pray over them. And the challenge this morning is follow Jesus' example to intentional courage and say yes. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are not someone that has set up a series of rules or a list of things that we have to do. God, we are reminded this morning that the, the expert in the law wanted to know how much. He wanted to know how far he had to go in order to get what he wanted. And God, that is a normal question. That is something that I ask all the time. But Lord, this story reminds us that it's so much more than that. Transformation from the inside out can only happen through you. So God, I ask as we think about this story, as we think about the service on this beautiful Mother's Day, that you would show us what it looks like to have a yes face. That you would show us what transformation looks like. That we wouldn't be so concerned with how much or how far, but that we would be transformed from the inside out into having faces that say yes. God, we know this is going to take intentional courage. And, and to some, Lord, that might be a scary thing. So I ask that you would, you would bolster our courage and that you would remind us that you gave us the Holy Spirit that is not a spirit of weakness, but of boldness. Move us forward, Lord. Transform us from the inside out as a church. And let us walk humbly with you as we follow your example. In your name, amen.